0: If you could turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, if you're grabbing one of the Pew Bibles, then that can be found in page 1039. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 9 in a few moments' time. So I'll give you a moment to find that, Luke chapter 9 from verse 18. And to begin just now, let's draw near to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this evening recognizing and delighting in the truth that your word is complete. Lord, it can speak to us every day. Lord, it can speak to us at every moment. And here this evening, we pray that what is spoken is the word of God, that your spirit would be at work in people's hearts here this evening. Lord, may we not be trusting in man. May we be trusting fully in the work of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Christianity Explored, which is a course designed to help people discover discover more of who Jesus is, focuses on three particular questions. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what does it mean to follow him? Now, the passage we're going to be looking at this evening in Luke chapter 9 covers all three of these questions. We're going to be thinking this evening about the identity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the call of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do, we're going to read Luke chapter 9, and we'll start at verse 18 and read down to verse 27. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Amen. thinking about who Jesus is as the Christ of God, as we see in this passage, thinking about what Jesus came to do, which was to suffer, be rejected, be killed, and then rise. And then to think about what Jesus calls us to do, which is to deny ourselves and take up our cross. These three things are three pillars of the Christian faith. They are foundational in our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's my prayer this evening that as we study this text, we will have a greater desire for our Lord Jesus Christ as we enrich ourselves in the truth of who he is, what he has come to do, and what he is calling us to do. And so to begin with, we're going to think about the identity of our Lord Jesus Christ from the beginning of our passage. Now, if we just look at chapter 9, verse 18, we see at the very beginning, it says, once when Jesus was praying in private. Now, it's worth just quickly mentioning this. Our Lord Jesus takes a number of different occasions in the gospel texts to spend time alone with his father. And that's something we shouldn't lose sight of. And it's built on time spent with his father that Jesus asks two questions in relation to his identity. In verse 18, he asks the question, who do the crowds say I am? And then in verse 20, he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? So let's think about these two questions. First, who do the crowds say I am? Now, the first thing to think about, why is Jesus asking this question? Is Jesus in some way worried about what people are saying about him at this time? Well, we can certainly see looking through the different Gospels that our Lord Jesus was in absolute perfect control of every single thing and he was sure about who he is. But there is still a very important reason for Jesus asking this question. Throughout the beginning of this Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, anyone who, who comes into contact with our Lord Jesus is asking this question, who is this person? Who is Jesus? This is an important question because our Lord Jesus is the central figure in the gospel of Luke. And not only that, he is the central figure in Christianity, in our faith. And it's for this reason that Jesus is asking this as a leading question. Jesus isn't asking this question to find out the latest piece of gossip that's going around in the area of Israel. He's asking this question with a purpose to ask another, to prepare people, to prepare the disciples, to prepare us to know who he is. Let's think of an example. Imagine if Lionel Messi, arguably the greatest footballer in the world, came into Charlotte Chapel at the close of the service, and you do not know the first thing about football. Some of you maybe don't. And he's downstairs, and a crowd are gathering. People are wanting to speak to him. People are wanting autographs, photographs, and so on. And for some reason, you get into a conversation with Lionel Messi, and you haven't got a clue who this guy is. But you're thinking to yourself, well, this guy must be famous. This guy is getting a crowd. I want to speak to him because maybe people will notice me. Now, let's just think about this in the context of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus asks, who do the crowds say I am? I am not because he's worried about what they think, but he is establishing the fact that people are following him, not because they know who he is, but because they are ignorant and they are following perhaps a crowd or a misguided knowledge of who they think he is. Notice the response in verse 19. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others one of the prophets of long ago. And we must take this as a stern warning for our souls. Our Lord Jesus does not get the honor. He will not be glorified by an ignorant, misguided understanding of who he is. This evening, we need to know who he truly is. And that is what can equip us for gospel service. And so he is asking this first question to prepare the disciples by making them aware of the mistakes in people's false and misguided understanding of who he is. And he asks this question to then lead into a second question, which is... But what about you? Who do you say I am? Verse 20. And let's praise God that he is at work in the life of the disciples here. Because the response by Peter, again in verse 20, the Christ of God. Now the Christ of God could also be understood as the Chosen One, or the Messiah, or the Anointed One. Which means that this person, our Lord Jesus Christ, has been chosen by God. And that is so important. Peter's response is the work of God's Spirit within his heart. And this evening, we need to ask the same question for ourselves. Who do we say Jesus is? Some people say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say prophets of long ago. Muslims say he was a prophet. Jews say he was a blasphemer. The Buddhists say he's an irrelevance. People in this culture say he's a good teacher, a good moral thinker, an absolute irrelevance in the 21st century, a swear word. Who do we say Jesus is? And if we're thinking the Christ of God, if we believe this in our hearts, then it's important to understand quite clearly what this means. So let's just spend a few moments thinking about this term, the Christ of God, because Jesus came as the chosen one of God, as one who was fully man and fully God. Jesus, in this gospel, in the gospel of Luke, came fully as a human being, as a man We see this in the humble circumstances of his birth and then the early upbringing of his life, which is hardly mentioned. And then in his baptism, Jesus shows that not only this, he has also come as a man to empathize with sinners, to empathize and understand what we go through. And then we also see he faces temptation, he faces suffering, he faces difficulty and struggle. Jesus has faced everything that we faced, including the daily routine of living on earth. He ate, he wept, he slept. Jesus is absolutely human in every single way. And there is only one difference between our Lord Jesus and us in the terms of his humanity in that he knew no sin. And that is because Jesus is fully man, but also fully God. And we see this again, thinking back to Jesus' baptism. He is loved by the Father, and he is blessed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has unity as the Son with the Father and Spirit, as one who has come from the Father. And this is the authority by which he stands. And because Jesus is fully God, He is absolutely sinless and perfect. And this is what it means for Peter to say that Jesus is the Christ of God. And so when we see in the Gospels... Jesus healing people, casting out demons, teaching with authority, calling the disciples. He is doing all of this with a divine and perfect authority, and he is doing it as the one chosen by God. And he is doing it, coming to this earth in this way, because he has a particular and special purpose And this takes us to our second point, which is the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 21 it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now the reason for this, based on what we've already seen, the crowds, the people who are following Jesus... They weren't in any place to really understand who Jesus was. And if they heard things like this, they maybe would have wanted to give him some earthly crown which would have utterly missed the point. And this is why Jesus goes on in verse 22 to say what he has come to this earth for. Verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This is the mission of the Christ of God, to suffer, be rejected, be killed, and then rise. Let's just go through these points. Our Lord Jesus came to suffer. Well, by the very fact that we are a human being on this earth, we know that that means there will be suffering here on this earth. And by the fact that Jesus came as a human being, we know that he suffered. But don't forget, we suffer as sinners. Jesus suffers as a sinless being. The next thing we see he came to be rejected. Now, we see this all throughout this gospel, but Jesus is focusing explicitly on the time leading up to his death. So it says that he is to be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Our Lord Jesus, perfect and blameless, was to be rejected by these people... And handed over like some common criminal, like some blasphemer, handed over, rejected, to be killed. And we need to think what this would have been like for our Lord Jesus Christ. But this was absolutely his purpose, this is his mission. This was the will of the Father for bringing the Son to this earth to suffer, to be rejected, and to be killed. Our Lord Jesus came to this earth to suffer on a cross and to be killed for our sins. His body broken and blood shed We remember this when we take the bread and the wine at communion and it reminds us of what our Lord Jesus has done for us. And it had to be this way because remember, we are... As fallen beings can have no relationship with the living God because our sin has broken the possibility of a relationship with this great God. And it is only then by Jesus being a perfect man that he can be the sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus came to take all of our sins on the cross. Every sin on the cross. And He also faced abandonment from the Father because the Father in His perfect being could not look at the Son when He faced our sins and therefore He faced that temporary moment of rejection when He faced that darkness. This is what our Lord Jesus has done for us by dying for our sins. He is a living sacrifice for us. And this evening we can praise God that this isn't the end of this verse. Because it says that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Because when our Lord Jesus is crucified on the cross, when he faces the darkness of our sins, this is his mission, but also he has come to conquer sin and death. Our sins every single day is put on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ when we put faith in him. And this means that we can have the hope of an eternity with him. And that is because our Lord Jesus rises from the dead. And we too have the promise that we can rise from the dead because we find our hope in this living sacrifice. Jesus has paid it all. This is why he came to this earth. He came for us so that we Could be set free. Why Jesus came to this earth to lay down his life for our sins. And that is the greatest message of hope in all of this world. And I pray that every single one of us would delight in this truth this evening. And if anyone doesn't know this truth this evening, then pray to God and accept Christ into your heart. You can do this because Christ has done this for us. Jesus' identity and Jesus' mission is what then equips the call of our Lord Jesus Christ on our lives. Now, before we even look at the rest of this text, with what we've been thinking about so far, thinking about who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, how do we respond to this in our minds and in our hearts? Is it a case of saying a quick thank you, Jesus, and then living our life in the same way as before? Well, let's look at what the text says. In verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We'll stop there. The call of our Lord Jesus Christ is something that impacts every single one of us if we have put our faith in Him. And it shouldn't be treated like some business transaction. For example, if you're at work and someone graciously offers to cover your shift because you need to be somewhere one day, you might feel an obligation to maybe give them a present or to then offer to do the same thing for them at some point. We cannot have this sort of attitude when it comes to service for the gospel. This third point, the call of our Lord Jesus Christ, This is something that should not and cannot be done out of duty, but it is something that must be done out of desire, which comes from the heart. Now, there's two points that we need to think about with this third area regarding the call of Christ. The first one is to think, what does it say in God's Word? What does God's Word say about what we are to do in following Jesus. And the second thing we need to think about is what does that then look like for us practically here in this country this very day? So, the first thing to think about what does God's word say about the call of Christ? So, let's go back to verse 23. It says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. So, the first thing deny himself. What is this self that Jesus is talking about here in this verse? Well, this self is the old sinful self that we put to death when we put our faith in Christ because we have new life in Christ. And yet we still must note that we are living in a sinful world and there is still darkness, there is still decay, there is still suffering and there is still death. And we are still incredibly vulnerable to the temptations of the old sinful self. We are vulnerable to the desires of a sinful heart. And this is why Jesus is commanding us very clearly that we must deny our old sinful selves. Denying our desire for money. Denying the lustful temptations in our heart. Denying the need to be promoted, promoted, promoted for the sake of self-glorification. We need our Lord Jesus day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And this is why he instructs us to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Now, what it means to take up our cross, it means a total denial of our own sinful self. And it means cleaving to our Lord Jesus Christ in His suffering. Taking up our cross is something very daunting on one level, but absolutely glorious on a deep and perfect level. We might ask the question, well, when we put our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, surely this taking up our cross and facing the threat of suffering and death is no longer relevant. Well, on an eternal level, when we put our faith in Jesus, we no longer have the fear that we are going to eternally perish and suffer and die. But we still live in a world of suffering and death. And so when it says take up this cross. It means taking up a cross of suffering and death. It means blood, sweat, and tears for the gospel. And going further still, in verse 24, Jesus then says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Now, that's man-centered life, that we want to save, we will eventually lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. So Jesus is saying, if we put our hope in Christ, if we believe in him, we will get life. But we may have to lose our life here on this earth for the sake of our eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ in glory. This is what our Lord Jesus is commanding of us today. And so this is why we need to come to this final question. What does this look like for us today? Because it seems totally unrealistic on one level. Well, the first thing that we need to consider when we think about what it looks like for us practically to take up our cross today, the first thing is that we must look to our Lord Jesus Christ and to remember who He is and the fact that He took up the cross for us. He faced All the temptations, all the difficulties, all the struggles. And he faced death for us. And when we put our hope in our Lord Jesus, he starts to become our desire more and more. Our focus becomes on him and rather the things of this world when we trust in who Jesus is, in his identity, we then have our identity in him. Our desire is in him, and our purpose is in him. If you ever wonder what can possibly possess somebody to leave the comfort of living here in Scotland and go into some Muslim-dominated country where they may face the threat of being killed for the sake of the gospel? The answer is very simple. It is our Lord Jesus at work in their hearts. And for every single one of us here this evening, we can literally face the threat of extreme suffering and persecution and even death, maybe in this country, certainly potentially abroad, because we know within our hearts that our Lord Jesus has rescued us, and we can praise God for His glory. If we have any other mindset away from this text, then we are accepting a big black sin that has been coated in sugar by the work of Satan in our lives. We need to look to Jesus and trust in Jesus. Now let's take this even further just as we close because it's so important for us in a culture where we have so many temptations and where we are confronted with so many things. Because it's so easy for us to come here in the comfort of the nice big car Worship God in this service. Maybe give some money in the offering bag, knowing that we're going back to a nice luxurious home to watch TV in the big widescreen TV, knowing that everything is nice and secure. This is what Christianity has become all too easily for so many of us. And it can be even more destructive if we let it take control of our lives. Because Jesus here in this passage is presenting a Christianity that is away from this sort of thinking. Take the story of the rich young man, for example. The rich young man approaches Jesus and says, I've managed to follow all the commands that are given in your law. What else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is for this man to give up everything he has to follow him, selling all his possessions. Now this evening... We are not being told to give up everything we own, to empty out our bank balance and give it to the poor. The issue is not what we have. The issue is what is in our heart possessions, relationships, money, power, success, all of these things are not destructive in and of themselves, but they can become destructive if they become the destructive aspect and the idol within our hearts. If anything else but our Lord Jesus Christ is at the center of our hearts, then it is idolatry and it is destructive. Jesus is calling for us to totally deny our old sinful self, which means abandoning anything that can hinder the work of the gospel in our lives. And he is calling us to take up our cross. If we settle for anything else, even a nice gold mansion and a big bank balance... We are settling for second best and we are wasting the opportunity that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to us this very day. To have extra possessions, to have more money, to have these sorts of opportunities, they can be even more greatly used for the sake of the gospel in this city, in this country, throughout this world. We cannot settle for anything else but our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't have the mindset that we can have our spiritual bit and we can have our worldly bit. There is no such thing as a balance between the world and God. If we belong to Jesus, we are all for Jesus. Our identity is in Him, and we are living for Him 100%. Every single thing in our lives is for the purpose of our Lord Jesus and for the glory of Almighty God. Everything. And that could mean suffering. Not necessarily just a cross word said about you at work. It could mean real suffering, being persecuted because you are trusting in Jesus and not the world. It may weaken us. It may knock us down. But it's like the opportunity that some people may take to go to the gym and to try to build up their strength in a session at the gym afterwards, it may make you feel weak, but ultimately, it is strengthening you. And when we take up our cross, it may weaken us. It may make us feel so struggling and full of weakness and uncertainty, but ultimately, Christ is in us, and he is strengthening, it, strengthening us for the purpose of his glory." his identity, his mission, his call. These are wonderful truths that can equip us for gospel service here today. At the end of this passage, it says, what good, this is verse 25, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If we are ashamed of Christ, if we do not trust in Christ, if we do not put Christ at the center, then this is the warning for us this evening. What we are being instructed to do is a daunting task, but it is a glorious task because we are not alone. Our Lord Jesus is with us and He is in us. And He will not be honored by misunderstanding of who He is, by an indifference to what He has done and a disobedience to the call that He is giving to our lives. To know that Jesus came as a perfect human being, as the Son of God. To know that He came to suffer, be rejected, to die and then to rise for our sins so that we could have intimacy with God. This is what can equip us to follow the call to deny our old sinful selves and to take up our cross for Christ. It may mean suffering, it may mean persecution, it could even face death, but we can say praise be to the God of glory because we are found in him and our life, our future, our eternity is in him. And there is no better way, no glorious way to live our lives than to live our lives completely and utterly devoted to to this great Savior. His identity, His mission, His call. Our Lord Jesus is truly worthy of our praise. Let's pray.